passage, just in case we missed it, the Lord sums it up again by saying to Moses, I myself, literally translated, the Hebrew is emphatic here, I myself will bless them. Now, why is there so much emphasis here on where blessing comes from? Well, surely it is because of our natural tendency to look for our blessings in many other places, in all the wrong places. In Jeremiah 2 and verse 13, the Lord laments this tendency on the part of His people. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. Far too often, brothers and sisters, we too have tried to dig out our own cisterns. And to find blessing in wrong places. We all have our muddy pools, do we not? From which we seek to drink, even when we know they can never satisfy us. The source of blessing is the Lord and no one else. But that brings us in the second place to blessing defined. If blessing ultimately does not lie in the having it all of this world, even as I might say as an Englishman before you in the American dream, not in the abundance of the possessions of this life, not in wonderful human relationships ultimately, or having the great accolades and respect of everyone around us, What is the ultimate definition of blessing? Well, here our passage points us to this priestly benediction which tells us. It's very simply this. Blessing lies in a face-to-face relationship with the Lord. Experiencing His protection and His favor. So first we see here the benediction simply states, the Lord bless you and keep you. We may put it this way, may the Lord provide us with what we need and protect us from harm. The Lord's providential keeping of his people is a wonderful and reassuring truth. He knows that we need food to eat and clothes to wear and the protection of our homes and all of the temporal blessings that He showers upon us. But God's blessing on His people is so much more than that. More than having enough food to eat, clothes to wear, homes in which to live. More than just having these things that would prevent us from cares and concerns and anxieties of the things of this world. Because if it were not, then surely many of God's people would have to conclude that in reality, from time to time at least, when they do not have sufficient of these things, 
they would have to say then they are not really blessed, are they? But it is so much more than that. There's much more to God's blessing than the temporal blessings for which we are and should be truly thankful. We see this as the priestly benediction goes on and unpacks the deeper aspects of the Lord's blessing in these two vivid but related images. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. And so true blessing is knowing God face to face, this benediction says. Now we need to be careful here. This is not trying to communicate that we are able to have this being-to-being encounter with God. As the theologians might say, ontologically. The Lord said to Moses, you cannot see my glory in that way. No man might see me in that way and live. But nevertheless, this picture is used here to communicate that covenantal personal fellowship between God and His people. The Lord make His face to shine upon you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. So this is the heart of blessing, isn't it? To have the Lord delight in His people. That is, as if His very face shines whenever He sees us. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. And so God thus wants our relationship with Him to be one where we know not only His protection and keeping, but also where we might know His presence as He dwells amongst His people. So the question we ask ourselves this morning is, do we know the blessing of God in that way? The blessing of a face-to-face, mediated presence admittedly, but face-to-face in covenantal relationship with our Heavenly Father. If that's the source of blessing, and blessing defined, how do we receive it, brothers and sisters? We receive this blessing through curse. We receive it through curse. We ask the question again, how do we receive this blessing? The answer is that the Lord gives it to His people freely out of His grace and mercy. God comes to Moses and Aaron here and says, I want you to place my blessing on this people. And this is how you are to do it. Now what makes God's desire to bless us so truly amazing here is that we do not and cannot deserve it. In the previous sections to this in Numbers 5 and 6, There are two completely opposite situations presented to us. One is of a faithless wife and that of the Nazarite, one who was completely devoted to the Lord. Now, as we think of these pictures, of these kinds of people, which one 
are we by nature? Which of these people, the faithless wife and the Nazarite devoted to the Lord, is more like you and me? Are you more Nazarite or more faithless wife? Well, if we know anything of our hearts this morning, brothers and sisters, we don't have to think too long about that question, do we? By nature, we are completely faithless, lawbreakers, rebels. Before God came to us and found us and saved us in His Son, Jesus Christ, bringing us to Himself, we're dead in trespasses and sins. And even after the Lord, His great grace and mercy has come to us and saved us, our hearts yet still wander, do they not? We still grumble and complain as the children of Israel often did in their wilderness wanderings. Far too often, brothers and sisters, we still look for our blessings in other places and in other things. And yet, here is the great thing this morning. God is nonetheless still determined to bless us. The Lord wants His blessing and His name placed on you, Christian, this morning. If you name the name of Christ. After all, the people the Lord came to save was not the Nazarite. It was the lost sinner. Those who could never deserve His blessing. The Lord's blessing is poured out on faithless ones like you and me. But how is God able to do that? God is able to bless faithless people like you and me, Christian, this morning because He sent His Son who is and was the devoted one to Himself in our place. He was the true embodiment of that Nazarite separated from evil and death. The one who kept God's law in every detail for us. His heart was constantly filled with that loving obedience to God. And so he truly earned this blessing. He knew what it was to have his father's face turned toward him. The light of his countenance lifted up upon him. This is my Beloved Son. But then, of course, we reflect upon our Lord's sufferings. When obedience to His Father's will took Jesus into the darkness for us. As God the Father made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Our Lord Jesus took upon Himself the very curse of God for our faithlessness. In fact, as we think about it, the cross of our Lord Jesus, the culmination of His sufferings, is the very antithesis, is it not, of this priestly benediction. Think about it for a moment. Did God the Father bless Jesus and keep Him as He went to the cross? 
No, he handed him over, did he not? Into the power of those who hated him and those who wanted to kill him. Let me ask again, did God the Father make his face shine upon Jesus on the cross? No, rather he poured out his wrath and his crushing anger against the sin that he bore for us. Let me ask again, did God the Father turn his face toward Jesus, lifting up his countenance upon him and give him peace? No, he turned his face away. So that our Lord cried out as we heard last evening, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus lifted his eyes toward heaven for the first time in all of eternity. There was no answering light from the face of the Father. At that moment for Jesus, there was no peace that there may be peace for us. And so he knew not benediction but rather what we call malediction. The words our Lord heard were not these words, but rather he heard the words, the Lord curse you and reject you. The Lord make his face to oppose you and lift the rod of his righteous anger and strike you. The Lord cause his wrath to fall upon you and give you hell. And because of that, brothers and sisters, he now is our peace. He is our peace. In Christ, we now receive God's blessing by gift. Now, if you're a Christian, you can say this morning, my sin and faithlessness has been fully paid for. Now the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ will certainly bless me and keep me for his sake. And now in the words of the Apostle Paul, I know that nothing in all of creation can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Now I know that the Father looks on me with pleasure. His face lights up every time he sees me because he sees me in his Son, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. Perhaps, believer, this morning you have forgotten where your blessings, your blessing is to be found. Is that not why so often we become concerned about the worries and cares in this life? Brothers, in the, mis- in the ministry, the cares and worries and concerns that we have as we seek to serve Christ. Is that not why we often think because we think the Father will no longer protect us? We've forgotten where our blessing is to be found. 
Is that not why so often we are so consumed even with anger and fear, unsure of our Father's love? Or why we can be so tied in knots at times about the future, devoid of the Father's gift of peace? It's because we have forgotten our Father's sure favor and the cost with which it was procured. But we're thankful this morning as we begin to draw to a close that the Lord knows our weakness. He knows your weakness and mine, our proneness to forget such things. And that is why Aaron here was instructed to repeat this blessing and to do so often for the community of the people of God. Because he knows we so easily forget and seek our blessing in all the wrong places. That is why many of us conclude our church services week after week with this benediction. Repeating it, reminding the people of God. It is God's authoritative statement of his favor towards us in Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, as we think about this, it draws us to our need for repentance, does it not? Of all those other times that we have sought blessing in other places, where we've looked for satisfaction and blessing apart from the Lord, we must repent and look again at the cross of our Savior, Jesus Christ, And marvel again that God loves us this much that he endured malediction that we might know the guarantee of benediction. We can rejoice that his favor is still extended to us even as we are gathered here today. Unfaithful, unprofitable servants at best. But nevertheless, every day, Christian, every day, the Father's face lights up to behold us because He sees us in His Son, Jesus Christ. Every day He looks on us, turns His face toward us, and says to each of us, This too is my Son, whom I love. This too is my daughter in whom I am well pleased. People of God, receive his peace. Beloved of the Lord, upon whom his favor rests, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your great benediction. We thank you that it is ours in your Son, Jesus Christ. It can never be taken from us. We thank you for the work of our Savior. We contemplate again the great cost that it might be ours. 
And we humble ourselves again, O Lord, and repent of the many times in which we have sought our satisfaction and our peace in bankrupt things. Grant us again, O Lord, to turn to yourself. Turn us, O Lord, and grant us to know the great gift which is ours. Bless us, O Lord, as you have promised to do. So shall, O Lord, your name be put upon us. And we will be blessed. Amen. encouraging words to us. A few announcements this morning before we move into our next session. First of all, a reminder that after our final session this morning, there will be a group picture here at the front of the auditorium. So don't anybody leave. Make sure you're here at the front. That's visitors, delegates, everyone here at the front after the last session. Also, there are a few people who have not paid for the food that they are receiving here at the conference. The last I heard, there were two singles, two couples, and two families with children that still need to pay for food. So if you have not done that, please uh, see the registrar downstairs to take care of that. I'm going to ask John Girizzo if he would come and make a couple of announcements. On behalf of the Publications Committee, we would like to give the member churches the option of having the ARBCA update available in hard copy. Some have expressed uh, the desire of having it in their hands and the ability to hand it out to the members of their churches. And we are able to make it available for around a dollar per copy but we would ask for subscriptions. I know some churches in the past have been sending money to cover the cost anyways, or some churches may even be willing to give donations to make it available in hard copy for those that would like it. So if uh, you're interested and you'd like to uh, maybe send in some kind of an order or subscription, you can contact myself or uh, Gordon Taylor or Vicki and uh, we'll get the information to you. Also wanted to uh, remind you of our fifth annual Building Tomorrow's Church Conference. We have a table in the book room with uh, some information and some brochures. It's going to be in Prescott, Arizona, August 24th through 27th. The, the, the topic is Living Out Our Doctrines in Love, The Practical Implications of the Doctrines of Grace, and the speakers will be Sam Waldron and a gentleman that you all know by the name of Gordon Taylor. Looking forward to this. We apologize that the date has been a conflict for some who are going off to college. But uh, we're looking into uh, bringing it to the east side of the country for the following year. 
and hoped in hopes that uh, we could have it a little earlier in the summer, and uh, that way a lot more people might be able to attend uh, this side of the country. But uh, please, if you're interested, uh, pick up some of these on the table in the corner of the book room. If you have any questions, you can call or check the website, buildingtomorrowschurch.com. Thank you.